Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and authority on the earth has been given to me. Therefore, go out there and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of God the Father and of God the Son and of God the Holy Spirit. That is the role of that key. That key is the one that gives him authority over the entire of the heavens and the entire of the earth. So that is a serious key of authority. The key that governs the sovereignty of God that the Messiah has. Hallelujah. So right before he uses that key to open the door for somebody that we are going to see in that scripture, the model church for rapture, he is describing the unassailable authority he possesses by virtue of being the beholder of that key, the Jabez de David, the key of David, right? We all know that he is coming to reign and rule on the throne of David. Are we together? In that vision, the Lord took me to Israel and the Lord Almighty, let me just say this, sometimes these are very deep things to say. He was speaking in the car by voice. And I was driving the car in that vision. So we are coming and about to march a main highway. So I'm checking then a vehicle coming. So I marched and then I waited for another vehicle to pass. Then I went to the inner lane. Then we turned left. When we stopped there, then God the Father, he took his hand and he dug deep, opened under the soil. And then I was there. And he said, this is the exact position of the throne of David. And then I sat there. He told me to sit on the exact stone, the exact position. And then all of a sudden he had a harp in his hand. He said, this also is the original harp, the exact harp David played for me as he worshipped me. So God the Father, I saw his fingers doing this, testing it. Then he gave me, said, you also try it out. And I remember I tried it out, the exact harp. But the message from there is much bigger. I mean, this is already big. But much bigger than this. That this is the exact place where the Messiah will establish his throne. Hallelujah. The throne of David. And so David is a messianic name. He's a big office, messianic office. And so he's saying that the key of David is the one that gives authority to the Messiah. Do you remember the vision of the wedding rings in the sky? And remember... After the wedding rings appear in the sky, then comes forth a little silence and then the voice of God again, right? And remember the voice said, from today on, all authority in heaven and all authority on the earth has been given to Christ Jesus. You remember that? I've said that all over the world. I've gone and said that all over the world. But now you understand that authority. He's about to exercise it. But in that vision, 
you could see the embodiment of that authority. The wedding rings that are being flipped at the entrance that opened with the glory spewing out, traversing and breaching the borders of heaven. The wedding rings that I have talked about all through, really the foundation of this revival. Flipping opposite directions like this. And so, those wedding rings, after the voice spoke, I understood them better and differently now. That wow, this is the embodiment, the representation of the authority of the Messiah. And yet the wedding rings that he put there are spiritual wedding rings. And number two, they are essentially announcing to the universe, to the earth, and the universe, that event. The event we just covered today, right? The wedding of the Lamb of God. Are we together now? That is serious. So, the voice said, from today on, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Christ Jesus. And you can see the physical, I mean not physical, really the manifestation, the representation of that authority in those wedding rings. Meaning, the event they announce is the event that really dramatizes, realizes the authority of the Messiah. That one day he will come and take physical human beings, snatching them from the devil, taking them for God, a people unto the Lord that he purchased. Yeah. Hallelujah. That is serious. So now you can see, in the next few minutes he's about to use that key then, to use that authority, to display that authority. He's about to use that key. Are we together? I'm trying to be as slow as possible, right? And so, he says, the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant, that holding of that key, because it was said that until it comes to the greater son of David, that he is the one that shall have a kingdom, a throne that will last forever. That is not Solomon. This is he. Hallelujah. So first Chronicles chapter 17. Dan will be there. Jabez the David, the key of David. I'm trying to expound it for you that you may take it out for forward transmission with full authority and expansiveness and depth it deserves, right? The key of David. First Chronicles 17, blessed people. First Chronicles chapter 17 verses 11 and 14 right 11 to 14 because he has said that that key symbolizes the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant there are many covenants in the Bible, right? So we are not touching them. But I'm right on this one because the king is coming, right? So let's see that covenant then, right? First Chronicles 17, 11 to 14, it says the following. 
get it, we read it together. It says, when your days are over and you go to be with your ancestors, I'll raise up your offspring to succeed you. One of your own sons, I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for me. And I will establish his throne forever and ever. I will be a father to him. The other versions, his father. And he will be my son. I will never take my love away from him. As I took it away from your predecessors. I will set him over the house and my kingdom. Again, I will set him over my house and my kingdom forever and ever. And his throne will be established forever and ever. So now you are beginning to understand the authority embodied in that key. Especially when now the greater son of David is finally holding the key to the house of David. The key of David. That key does mighty things. Genesis chapter 12 verse 3 when he talked about evangelizing the nations, the great commission. All the nations will be blessed through him when he was conversationing with Abraham. It was that key he was alluding to. The power and authority of that key. Hallelujah. Still on the Davidic covenant, Jeremiah 23 verse 5. Hallelujah. Colloquium session coming to you live from Nairobi, Kenya. Full length 23, Jeremiah 23 5 he says. Jeremiah chapter 23 verse 5 the Davidic covenant he says the days are coming declares the Lord when I will raise up for David a righteous branch a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land so that is the key he has that is the authority of that key pronounced here. The rulership, the kingdom from the house of David. To rule the whole world, the whole universe, right? Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7. We are still on the key of David. Just the way Jesus introduced himself to a beloved church that we are just about to see modeling the rapture church. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7. The key of David says the following Of the greatness of his government and of peace, there will be no end. So that means that key really gives him a kingdom that has no end and no bounds. It brings literally everybody under him that he is holding that key. Hallelujah. 
I know that just a few days ago, he gave me that key. I came live to you, and you are aware of what that key does. Opens heaven. Only that key can open heaven. Hallelujah. So this is a very dreadful hour in the church, because even as we talk about it, the realities right before you are quite astounding, right? And so, he's saying here, the book of Isaiah chapter 9, I mean chapter 9 verse 7, he says the following. He says, of the greatness of his government and of peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne. Look at the authority that key gives him. He now reigns on the throne of David. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Then he says, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Very powerful, blessed people. So finally, the greater son of David is holding the key of David. And is about to use it. We are simply exploring, making exploits on the key. Such that when you go and now use it open for a church you want to see here, it will be unbelievable, unstoppable, right? Hallelujah. And you want him to open for you. And that key has literally opened and brought the cloud of God, right? Hallelujah. The cloud of God has come. Courtesy of that key. Only the key of David. No other key. So the reality of the discourse, the conversation, is crystallization, materialization here is unbelievable. Right? This is serious now. Serious stuff. People can talk, but now the reality before your eyes are quite astounding. That when we are saying that that key has authority, to do things that you see right there in your eyes. And ever since that cloud, the cloud of God, God himself came. Creepers have been walking non-stop in the land. Hallelujah. So it's not a storybook. It's not a story to read and feel goosebumps. Not at all. People, real people whom you know, with real felt problems, a creeper in the house, get up and walk away. Hallelujah. Very serious stuff. And so, Luke chapter 1, verse 32. Still on that key. The access the key gives him to sit and reign over the throne of David, right? And on top of that, to have the preserve, to have the power and authority on whom to admit. You really want to be a friend of Jesus. Hallelujah. We all love Jesus very much. So Luke chapter 1, verse 32, says the following. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Do you remember Melchizedek? When he appears before Abraham, he meets him in the valley of Shaveh. And then he introduces himself as priest of God most high. Most high. Most high. He repeats it here. He says, He will be great 
and called the Son of the Most High, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. What a powerful kingdom. That is the kingdom of the rock that smashed the statue, become a huge mountain, bring down all other kingdoms, and then admit you people with shares in that kingdom and thrones in that kingdom to reign in that kingdom forever and ever and ever without end. So it is profitable. It is profitable to be on the Lord's side. Because we know how this whole thing ends. It ends with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords reigning in triumph and victory. Perpetuamente, eterna, eternally. Hallelujah. And so he says here, still on the key of David, Matthew 16, 19. Still introduction, blessed people. Jesus is still introducing himself to the rapture church, the model church, model church for rapture, where we are going to focus tonight. And it's going to be quite extensive. That's why I'm glad you gave me more time, extra time, right? Matthew 16, turn will be there. Verse 19. Matthew chapter 16, 19. He says the following. He says, Once I get it, I read it with you. I can see 18 here. He says, And I tell you that you are Peter, on this rock, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it, will not prevail over it. Then 19, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Very powerful key, blessed people, that is holding right there. That is the key to the royal dynasty of David, the Davidic kingdom of the Messiah. And that key as we proceed because of time, Revelation chapter 1 verse 18, Revelation chapter 1 verse 18, that same key. Hallelujah. He says, I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and hate. That key is very powerful. It can shut out death, right? And he says, Revelation 21 and 4 is still the role and the authority of that key. Revelation chapter 21 to 4 says, And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key, the key to the abyss, and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil, or Satan, 
and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked him and sealed it over him to keep him from disturbing and deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years of Christ's reign ended. That is serious, the role of that key. Can literally catch Satan and throw him into the abyss and lock him there and he is not able to come out. Yes. Hallelujah. Very serious, blessed people. Revelation 14 verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life is that key. Only that key can open that way. Revelation, I mean, rather John 14 verse 6. I'm the way, the truth, and the life is courtesy of that key, the authority of that key. Only that key can open a way into eternal life. Are we together? And then Revelation chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, is still the role of that key in opening the door to rapture, which we're about to see now. So he's saying Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, after this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven, and the voice I first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I'll show you what must take place after this. Again, after this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open. Only that key, the authority, abound that key, and the beholder can open heaven for the church. Hallelujah. Very powerful now. And then you see the book of John 16, verse 7, he says the following. Still on the authority of the key, Christ is still introducing himself to the rapture church. We have not yet entered the model church that we are going to use today to benchmark, right? Hallelujah. John 16. Verse 7 says the following. But very truly I say unto you, it is for your own good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. It is that key that opened the door into the church age that brought the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So that key is everything in the life of the church, right? And also, Revelation 21, the eternal state, it is that key that opens for you to enter there. Matthew 21 verse 9. Matthew chapter 21 verse 9, he says the following. Hallelujah. Jesus still introducing himself to the rapture church. Matthew 21 verse 9, he says. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed him shouted, 
Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna in the highest heaven. That key. That is now him coming in as the king of the lineage of David. You see, shortly after that, they said, no, crucify him, right? But they thought he was coming to establish the kingdom at that time, right? So that is the role of the key of David. The key that represents the sovereignty of the Messiah. The Davidic, the royal Davidic kingdom of the Messiah. The royal authority Jesus has. And that key does many things. So can we get back again now to the book of Revelation chapter 3? After the introduction. Again, reading that you may understand in context now. It says, Revelation 3 verses 7 on. We are reading again with this knowledge now. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. That is very serious. That's overruling authority. Overriding authority. Sovereignty. Incontestable, right? Verse 8, he says, I know your deeds... See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Those are two things right there. Those are two powerful things that are really going to be anchors tonight. That this rapture church, this model church, he finally now executes the authority of the key. He takes it and opens for her the door now. Hallelujah. That no man can shut. Now he uses the authority we have read to open the door for the rapture church. And he says that even though they have little strength, they have not done the following. Yet you have kept my word and have not renounced, have not denied my name. Powerful things. They have kept the word of Christ. And they have also kept the name of Christ. That is serious for rapture tonight. Hallelujah. Meaning many opportunities showed up. Many moments appeared. When many people renounce the name of Jesus. But this church with little strength. Hallelujah. The church with little strength. Did not renounce the name of Jesus. And did not abandon the word of Christ. That is serious. So for a moment I'm going to start it from this side. From the little strength. We know very well that right now we live in a generation whereby bigger is better. 
is better. We live in a generation of macho, right? They call it macho. I don't know whether it's also in English, but I think they use the same macho. Whereby, the bigger your territory, the better you feel if you are a governor or a president. The bigger your financial resources, the greater honor you attract in this age. I really want to talk to you on this matter. I want to identify the rapture church. We have seen that even young men go to the gym, right? To look for bigger muscles. Oh yes, that is the truth of this generation. The bigger the property, land, in this country I think land is a big thing. So land, the bigger you are land, you grab some for speculatory purpose also. The better. And yet, the Lord is now taking this statement here, the little church, the little strength, to identify a treasure. To identify a church that is so beloved to him. The bigger the country you come from, the greater the honor among pastors. If Brazil is a very big country, and or USA, I don't know, Canada, I don't know which is bigger, Russia, whichever. And then you feel great in a pastor's conference, say, I'm from Canada. I think Canada is the largest or whatever. Maybe Russia. Oh, yes. And that thing has also infiltrated into the church. Whereby, churches like in Nairobi here, the bigger the properties you own as a church, the better, in quotes. You hear them sometimes priding themselves that we pay this amount of tax because we just bought another big building there, 20 stories worth 50 million shillings or whatever, or 100 million, whatever the figure. So we live in a generation where there is insatiable. There is an appetite which cannot be satisfied for greater, for more, for bigger. When you're raising your children, right away, they begin with more toys than other children. The bigger the toys, the better. When the guests come, the child is picking toys and bringing it to the living room, right? The bigger the titles at the workplace, the greater the honor. So what is the Lord saying here? Because he wants to identify the rapture church. And it seems he's treasuring this little one, this small one.
There were churches that are verbose, very loud, very big, like the church in Laodicea. They have wealth. They have things. They are rich. In the eyes of the world. And yet when it comes to identifying the rapture church, the treasured church, then he says, the little one with little strength. That is unbelievable. Man's order. So what is the Lord saying? And yet we know also in the Bible, I'm not saying it's a controversy, we also know in the Bible that the greater the anointing, the better. So really, I think you are getting confused now, right? Oh yes. We must address it all tonight. Because tonight, we must identify the rapture church and use it for benchmarking. The Lord is telling us here that He loves the little church with little strength. Most of your churches, they are big property, they are built big churches in the city centers. Televisions are running. They are popular with the politicians, with the business communities. There is something here. I think there is something here. Hallelujah. I think there is something here. He says, little, little strength. He loves it. He's opening a door that no man can shut. Little and small. Hallelujah. And so this is serious right now. There is something here. Let's go back and read it again and mine it from there. It says, Revelation chapter 3 from verse 7. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David, and what he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds, he says. See, I placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength. Yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. That is very serious. With little strength, right? have kept his word and not denied the name of Jesus. Can we look at the identity of this church? Let's read up to the end when he opens for her, up to verse 13, and then now pin it down to you, right? He says here, verse 9, I'll make those who are the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall at your feet 
then acknowledge that I have loved you. That is serious, which means this is a beloved church to Jesus. And you see some promises I'm going to pull out here that he lays before her, he gives her, right? And then he says, I'll make them come and fall down at your feet, acknowledge that I have loved you. He's talking about the revival of Israel also there. Romans 11 right there. Verse 10 he says, Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come to the whole known world to test the inhabitants of the earth. That is the pre-tribulation rapture. That is the snatching away of the church before the wrath, right? And he says that the wrath is coming to the entire whole known world, right? Meaning there is nowhere to hide. So we want to know what does it mean to keep his word, to keep his command, right?